0: Amen. Thank you, Bible, to join me in the book of Revelation, chapter 1. Revelation, chapter 1. Every time I hear that song, Shout to the Lord, I go back several years ago, and I've I've told you about this little girl before, this little six-year-old girl that did her funeral, She died of cancer she had cancer all of her little life and that was one of the songs that they sang at her funeral but always remember the morning that she died her dad had been up with her all night and and they were laying on a a blanket in front of the television and she was laying there and he was laying beside her and she said daddy and he looked over at her and said, what is it? And she said, thank you for taking care of me. And that's about the last thing he heard her say. And as I, as we were singing that a minute ago, I, I couldn't help but think of that. I, I remember how it broke her, uh, her daddy's heart. But how it thrilled him as well. But as we were singing that, I thought, You know, that's just exactly what you and I need to be saying to God, especially in this time. Every day, thank you for taking care of me. Shouldn't we? Thank you for taking care of me. We ended last year, the last Sunday in 2020. I talked to you about the lame man at the pool of, of uh, the five porches there in John chapter 5. And how Jesus looked at him and said, do you want to be made whole? And then, of course, he never said anything about walking. And then we discovered that Jesus uh, put his legs back under him. But then later on, uh, he told him that, that you've been made whole inside and out. And that is, should be the desire of every child of God today, that we're made whole Not just, oh God, take the virus away, which is what all of our prayer basically is. But dear God, I want to be whole. I want to be complete inside and outside. And so we we began, we came into the new year with with that on our minds. And then we began to talk about the strength that we needed for this new year. And I'm going to recap for you (coughs) right quick basically what we've been through in this month of January as we've begun this year of 2021. The first thing we talked about was in 1 Corinthians 13:13, 13, 13, where Paul said, Now faith, hope, love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love, and it's love because love is eternal. Faith and hope will bring themselves to an end once we enter into the presence of God. But it takes all three of them for us to be strong in the Lord. Our faith, our hope, the love that God has for us. And so we found our strength in the faith, hope, and love of God. Then we found in Psalms 27, 1 through 4, our strength is in our worship. And we talked about the worship that we have. The Lord is our light to guide us and and to teach us and to lead us. The Lord is our salvation that brings to us the completion of life where we don't have to fear any longer. And then the Lord is our strength. And in Psalms 27, He he describes for us that strength that sees us through no matter what is going on. But all of that is done through our worship with God, praising Him and thanking Him and leaning on Him and trusting Him. We worship and there's our strength. And then we talked about the strength that we have in what we know, Second Timothy 6, 4, uh, 6, 1 through 14, what we know. Paul told Timothy, he said, rekindle the fire of remembrance, how that God has placed a gift inside of you, that you belong to God, you're a child of God, and that gift is to be used for God. And then it says we must reclaim the power over our fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. We find our strength in those things. And finally, he said we are to rejoice in what we know. I know that I've been saved. I know that Jesus Christ lives in me. I know that the Spirit of God empowers me. I know that my Father is in heaven. That's what we know. But also be thankful for the fact of that we can know that because God has revealed it to us. So it's the things that we know that give us the strength to move forward. And then last week we talked about our strength in knowing Christ. Philippians 3, 8 through 14. We need to know Him in His person and the power of His person and who He is. But we need to know Him in the power of His resurrection Trusting in that, in that resurrection that he gave to us. And because he's alive, the scripture says, we live as well. And then to, to really know him as the prize of our desire to have everything that we have always in Christ. The strength in Christ message is what we want to talk about today. Now that message is a very simple message. It's a very plain message, but it's a message that you and I are not heeding. And so today I want you to hear the message that Jesus brings to us from this book of Revelation. But I want you to see who this Christ is that delivers that message for us and what that message means to you and I. So look at verse 17. Of Revelation chapter one, verse seventeen of Revelation one, John now has fallen on uh, uh, on his off his feet, and he he's as he is dead. He says he's laid his and someone laid his right hand upon him and said, "Here's the message: Fear not, I am." You hear that? Now I want you to listen to those words. Because this is the message that Jesus is bringing to us, this, this Jesus that we've been talking about, that we're going to look at again today. This Jesus says to us, fear not, I am. Now look at what he says, I am. I am the first and the last. I am he that lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and death. Right. You hear his message? Mm-hmm. Hear it plain and hear it loud. Fear not. Now, someone of us come up with the idea that that phrase fear not uh, is in the Bible 365 times, which comes to every day of the year, but actually it's not. But it is in in the scripture over a hundred times. Fear not or be not afraid, afraid, Jesus said. Fear not. Fear not in the Old Testament. Fear not now in the New Testament. Fear not in the year 2021. Everything that we've been through has given a rise to the fear that's inside of us. And that fear we've talked about as being a healthy fear. But it's also a harmful fear a fear that robs us of the joy of knowing that Christ is in our lives and that Jesus lives within us and there is joy because of who He is. Fear not, He said. But as we put those things together, fear not, I am. It brings a whole new purpose to us. Now, I know he he, he finishes this, fear not. I am the first and the last. I I see it. I get it. But I hear that little phrase, I am. And when Moses, there at the bush, told God, well, gee, what if I go into town and and somebody says, well, who sent you? What am I going to say? And God says, you tell them, I am have sent you. When Jesus was out walking on the water, and the storm was raging, and the disciples saw him, and they were afraid. And Jesus called out to them. And in the Greek, here's what the phrase says Fear not, I am. Fear not, I am. And that's when Peter walked on the water, and he put him back in the boat. Fear not. And now he says to us, Fear not. Be smart, be wise, take care of yourself, do what you're supposed to do, do the very best you can. Trust me, believe me, fear not. Let's look at the message that he says to us. And who is the one that's bringing this message and the message that that you and I can, can glean from this? Because he says, I am the first and the last. Christ spoke of him as the one who was the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so he says to us, hear him, hear his voice, hear what he says to you, fear not. God is still sovereign, is he not? God is still almighty, is he not? God is still God, is he not? I hadn't heard of him leaving the throne I haven't heard of anything taking anything away from him. He is still God. So who is this that speaks to us and says to us, fear not? Let me mention something to you as as I get into this. You won't remember last year, I came through the book of Daniel And I shared the last message of Daniel sitting at my desk because we couldn't have church. And I always, I had said before, and and I always had it all lined up. Once I finished Daniel, I was going to go through the book of Revelation because those two books go together. If you want to understand, Daniel said in the last chapter of his book, God told him shut it up. But in the book of Revelation, God said, open the book. Now, what we're going to do, we've had a hiatus of nearly a year here. But beginning next Sunday, we're going to go through the book of Revelation. And I'm going to to point out some things to you. And I'm going to share with you some things that that you need to hear and understand about what this book actually means. Because there are many of us that have a lot of misconceptions about the book. And there are a lot of us that won't read the book because they say, I can't understand it. But if we look at it from the perspective of how God wrote it, then you will begin to glean something where you can rejoice in what this book says to us. It's not hard, not hard for you, it's not hard for me, if we just trust God to give it to us. So we're going to begin next Sunday morning, and we'll be back in the first chapter, but we're going to look at some things Of who Jesus is and what this book is all about. But this morning I want you to see this message that Jesus has given to us and what John says about him. So let's go back to that verse 17. Fear not, I am the first and the last. Folks, that phrase means he is eternal God. Now you hear that? He is eternal God. He said, I am the first and the last. This is Jesus speaking. I am eternal God. Now this goes back into the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah in chapter 44 and verse 6, God said, Thus saith the Lord the King of Israel and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first and I am the last. And beside me there is no God. In chapter 48, Isaiah once again speaks to us, and in verse 12 he says, "Hearken to me, O Jacob and Israel, my called. I am He, I am the first, I also am the last. My hand has laid the foundation of the earth. My right hand has, has spanned the heavens when I call unto them, and they stand together. In the Old Testament, He is eternal God, the first and the last. Jesus, as he is as, as revealed in this book, Jesus now says to him, John, I am the first and the last. And so he begins a description of this, this God, eternal God, and then he puts the description of who God actually is. Look with me in verse 4, and let's look at the description of who this eternal God is. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia. Notice how he begins this. Grace and peace. Grace unto you. Peace. All through the scriptures, he's talked about grace and peace. Now, this, this basically uh, lends itself to being an epistle. How Paul would, would begin to writing to the churches and he would say, grace and peace. Mercy, grace, Peace. He used those words over and again. And so John uses that here to us. John to the seven churches in Asia. Grace and peace. <clears throat> and then he says, From him which is, which was, and which is to come. That is the Heavenly Father. The Father is the one who was, who is, was, and is to come. Eternal God. And so John describes him, first of all, he writes, grace and peace from the eternal God is, was, is to come. Secondly, he says, and from the seven spirits, which are before his throne. Now, if you read that, and and it talks about, it's got spirits, spirits is in plural. A lot of people refer to this as angels that are in the presence of God. Angels that God has created, and there they are before the throne, these seven. But as we get into the book of Revelation, all of a sudden you're going to see that the the number seven speaks of, of completion, perfection. Everything is complete with that number seven. And so when you think about... Uh, who it is that he's describing here, these seven spirits that are before the throne. There are two places that you can go back in the Old Testament, which is what John would be thinking about. And in the Old Testament, there are described for us seven spirits. In Isaiah chapter 11, as he talks about the Messiah that is to come, he lists seven spirits. And those seven spirits identify as that one who has come from God. But in the book of Zechariah, and Zechariah is, is a great uh, book uh, talking about uh, the coming of the Messiah and, and refers to Jesus and, and who Jesus is. But in Zechariah chapter 4, it talks about uh, seeing this, this uh, lampstand and it's fed by two trees and, and it's got seven bowls on, on the lampstand and, and he Zechariah asked the, the angel, what is this? And he begins to describe, not by might, not by power, but my spirit, says the Lord. It's more than likely that that John is referring to Zechariah. And this is a little deep, and I get it, and I'm, I'm fixing to get off of it. Because basically what he's saying here is this. These seven spirits are nothing more than the Holy Spirit of God. It is the spirit in its completion. It is the spirit and who it is. And so what he's identifying is, here is Holy God. What is, was, and is to come. And now he describes the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And John refers to spirits all throughout this book, the Holy Spirit of God. And so we can see, here is God, here is the Spirit he described for us. And then John describes in verse 5, and from Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Christ, the Son god jesus he's the son christ he is god jesus the son the god now folks what you have here in that in that fourth verse and the beginning of the fifth is the trinity the trinity now, some people will look at you and say, there's no way that, that God is, is a trinity. There's no way that Jesus can be God because he was on the earth and he died. And there's no way that he could die. And on and on and on they can go. It really doesn't matter what people uh, familiarize themselves with or summarize in their minds about what it is. I'm going to tell you the truth. God is one God in three. He is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He is God who was and is and is to come. He is God, the first and the last. And God has graciously come to us and presented Himself to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. He became the flesh, and thus He lives. So John now reveals Christ as the eternal God. But he also reveals him about his purpose and his plan that God had when he sent his son to us. Verse 5. Who is Jesus the Christ? We've seen God who was, is, and is to come. The seven spirits, the Holy Spirit, the completion, the perfection of the Spirit. Who is Jesus Christ? He is the faithful witness. He came to us as the faithful witness from God for God. He came from God, but He came for God. I have come to do your will, O God. He reveals everything we need to know about God. You go back into John chapter 14 and you remember when Jesus was speaking to His disciples before He was arrested and He died. And he, he began to talk about in my father's house there are many mansions, and then he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And then you read on down a couple of verses, and all of a sudden Philip said, Show us the Father, and we'll be satisfied. And I can just see a smile on Jesus' face when he answers that. And he says to him, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He is God. And He is the faithful witness that has come to us from God. In the Old Testament, God was given names concerning His provisions. If God did something for someone, they would say this is God and they would uh, say whatever the provision was. If He was God Almighty, if He was God my banner over us if he was was God the provider, all of those things, they would give him a name and they would call him different names as to what he provided for them. But now we have a name for him because of what he's provided for us. And his name is Father. You see, when Jesus came to me and you, he came to show us the Father. Not God in heaven, which he is, But He's also our Father. The Pharisees wanted to condemn Him. They wanted to kill Him because He related Himself as one with the Father. And that was blasphemy. But He was the Father. He is with the Father. And now He introduces to us the Father, the faithful witness. He reveals the truth about God. He reveals the truth about His plan. I came to seek and to save those that are lost. I came to uh, the house of Israel. But he also made uh, to mention the fact that the Gentiles all would be included in this. God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son. He has a plan and his purpose is that he wants to save the world. He is the truth about righteousness. The righteousness that we must have for us to obtain that salvation in Christ. We must have the righteousness of Christ and follow him, his righteousness in his salvation. That's his purpose and that is his plan. Not our righteousness, his righteousness. And thus we are saved. He reveals the truth about the horror of sin. Folks, no one really knew how bad sin really was until they looked at Jesus hanging on a cross. I cannot imagine in my little mind what that looked like. Beaten three-fourths to death. With a cat of nine tails, his flesh ripped, torn by those lashes, the bone, the rock, the metal that was in the end of those uh, thongs that came off of that cat of nine tails, digging into his flesh and ripping it open, the crown of thorns on his head and blood running all over his head and, and down his face and into his beard, beaten, struggling And then nails driven into his hands and into his feet. And then they drop him into a hole. I can't imagine. But the people that looked there that day saw the results of the horror of sin. And that's why Jesus came to save us from our sin. So that we wouldn't have to be afraid of what this thing is called death. He came to reveal the truth about heaven. And we'll get into heaven when we get on in the last part of the book of Revelation. But we'll see heaven as it continues to be unfolded to us. And we see heaven as so many different things. But heaven is God. Heaven is the Lord Jesus Christ. He came to bring to us and reveal the truth about hell. Jesus talked more about hell than he talked about heaven in the scripture. He wanted us to understand there was a place of separation from God where you cannot get to God and God does not come to you. There's no way that you and I can look at that and understand that and say, gee, that's what I want to do. Be condemned, separated from family, separated from friends, separated from Almighty God for eternity in darkness, suffering and hurting the truth about hell. He came to give us the truth about his coming again. I'll be back, he said. This same Jesus which you have seen go shall come back in like manner as you've seen him go. He came to give us the truth about eternity. We're not going to sit around on a cloud all day and play a harp. We've got rejoicing to do. We've got work to do. We've got things that God has planned for us to do and that's what he's going to give to us. He reveals to us he is the first begotten from the dead. And we'll see that again here in just a moment. But God raised him in his faithfulness that we might know that there is life abundant and eternal. And Jesus is the one that we follow. He reveals to us that resurrection so that we will all understand that when he comes, every eye will see him. He is the king over all the earth and in control of all the sun, all of those that are under his feet. Look at the, rest, the, the latter part of verse 5. He is not only the faithful witness, he is the first begotten of the dead. He's the one that rose. There'll be a harvest that comes behind him. And that's what that is all about. And then lastly, he said, and he's the prince of the kings of the earth. And that doesn't mean that he is, he is below the kings that, that reign on this earth. He's over every one of these kings, every one of these rulers on this earth today. He stands above them and far over them. But then all of a sudden, John begins to break out in in a, a great glorious song as he reveals the message of the eternal God to us when he says, Fear not, I am the first and the last. Remember this, he is God over time, he transcends time. There is no time to God. There is no past, present, future. It's all right now. That's all God knows. That's all God lives in is right now. He, he doesn't worry about the future. He knows what's out there. He doesn't worry about the past because all of that is gone. He lives right now and he wants us to do the very same thing. He's first in eternity. He is going to be God in eternity and he will be God throughout all the ages. He's loved us from the beginning, but he loves us now. Verse 5. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. In his blood, he washed us and he cleansed us. Fear not. The eternal God is sovereign God. He is Lord. He's Lord over all that's going on in this earth. I've told you two or three times and I'll tell you again. It's not necessarily to understand, gee, God sent this, this virus on us. He allows it. He allows this. But I'm going to tell you something. He's got Satan under his thumb. Satan is the one that's causing all of this mess that's going on now. And you see, he's the one that's putting the fear in us. And that's why Jesus says to us, fear not. I'm in control of this. I am almighty God. I am the everlasting father. I am the truth. John said, this is who he is. I am the first and the last eternal God. Look at the next thing he said. I am he that lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive evermore. Not only am I eternal God, I am the resurrected Christ. I was dead, but I'm alive. And I'll never, ever die again. See, that's what he's saying to us here. John identifies Christ as the son of man, (coughs) the Messiah of this earth, the one who never changes. The son of man is how Jesus identified himself, son of God, son of man. He he used that term over and again. (coughs) And John's view of Jesus, his kingdom revolves around this cross and the resurrection John witnessed it. John stood there by Mary when Jesus died on the cross. John is the one that Jesus looked and said, woman, behold thy son. And he was talking about John. And then he said to John, son, behold your mother. And if you want to break it down into text of the vernacular, he said, John, take care of mama. Mama, you go with John. And that's all he had to say. John, he saw the death. He ran to the tomb and he said, he's not here. Stone's gone. Peter walked out scratching his head. John, I believe, thought, he's not here. He has risen. They go back to their room and they wait and Jesus appears to them. And he sees Christ in all of his glory. And folks, when you and I will bring ourselves to the place of drawing ourselves close to God and being what God wants, I'm going to tell you something. When you see Jesus in his glory, you'll fear not. He's God. He is Almighty God. He is the true God. And John fell down after he had seen him back in verses 12 through 16. He just fell before him just like he was dead. But so did Ezekiel. So did Daniel. We read about that two or three times in the book of Daniel. He fell before him just like he was dead. But in awe and love and respect, of Almighty God and who He is. And the Savior Jesus Christ who is alive evermore for me and you. He's the Son of Man. He's the Son of God. He is deity. He is eternal God. He is the Messiah. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. He is King of Kings. He is Lord of Lords. He is living forever. And He's living today. His hand is on, on the uh, by the right hand of God. And He lives today to intercede for us. Do not be afraid. Jesus is alive. That's what John is saying. He's alive. John sees him as the one who was dead in the flesh. In the flesh he died. You see, he had to come from heaven and come to the earth to do what he couldn't do in heaven. And that was to die. And the reason that he died was because we died. And He died for you, and He died for me. John remembers that terrible death on the cross. And Jesus does not want us experiencing that same thing. The hurt, the punishment, the grief, the sorrow, all that went with with all of that. The pain that He endured. He doesn't want us doing that. So what did Jesus do? He came to this earth to die a death like no one else will ever die. He came to this earth to die so that when you and I reach that time in our life, when we breathe this last breath on this earth, folks, we'll, we'll exhale. And the next thing you'll do in Christ Jesus is go. <sighs> We don't have to be consumed by death. Jesus has conquered death. That's what he said to us. In the book of Hebrews, here's what the writer said For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death, Jesus dying, he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. He had the power of death. And he wants to destroy you. He wants to tear you down. He wants to send you into a death such as Jesus had. But Jesus has destroyed him. He stood at the cross. And he mocked and he laughed. And Jesus said, it's finished. Father, take my spirit. And he said, it's done. We did it. They had a three-day funeral for him. They all were rejoicing in hell. And all of a sudden it began to tremble and begin to roll like thunder. And all of a sudden, Satan stopped and everyone else got quiet. And he said, What is that? And someone looked and he said, The stone's rolling. And all of a sudden, just like an earthquake the stone began to roll and it rolled away. And Satan said, is that it? He said, no. The light has come on. And Jesus stepped out of that tomb. And Satan screamed in horror because he had been defeated. Folks, I want you to know when you see Jesus in all of His glory, so you can see Him as alive and living and conquering and now, He's got the keys. He's got the keys. He's alive. He is risen. And He's standing in our midst today. He is our judge. He is supreme. I'm going to talk about this more next Sunday. So I'm I'm not getting far into it now. But I want you to look at verse 15. Because here He sees Jesus. And Jesus, He describes Him. And the description that he gives, and this is one I want you to notice, the last part of verse 15, and his voice as the sound of many waters. Can you imagine what Jesus is saying in verse 17 when he said, John, get up, get up, get up. And he picks him up and he raises him up. And then this voice, I, I can't do it. I, I don't have that kind of a, a booming type voice. But you can just almost hear the authority as, as Jesus speaks in verse 15. His voice is a sound of many waters. And you can hear the rushing waters of waterfalls all over. And you can hear the, how, how that, that just kind of drowns everything out. And you hear this voice, and he says, Fear not! Right. Okay, Lord. I'm not afraid, I'm yours. Fear not, he says. We can't can't stare at the sun. You know what? John fell down at his feet as he was dead. Jesus laid his right hand on him. But verse 16, he said he had in his right hand seven stars out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. His countenance was as the sun. Can you imagine the countenance as the sun? Have you ever tried to stare at the sun? Did you ever do that? I bet you did. Unless you, you if you weren't like me, I, I went through those stupid stages. I think I'll stare at it. You you can't do it. There's no way that you and I can do that. And here he is, John said his countenance was just like the sun. I couldn't stare at him, and so he just fell before him. I can't I can't look. I can't see. His countenance as the sun. And John said, I can't see it anymore. There's two things I want you to see here. He couldn't look at the sun just directly on. But his touch and his word make the difference. He touched him. John, stand up. Folks, the touch of Jesus is upon you if you're, if you're his child. And all you've got to do is hear his word. Fear not. Fear not. I'm alive. And then we see him standing as the victor with the keys to eternity. Now, I was going to use a little illustration and tell you that uh, in my pocket here, right here, here's the key to the church. This, this key unlocks every outside door. And then this key unlocks every inside door right here and i was going to tell you how powerful that makes me because i got these two keys but then i got to thinking there there are about 15 20 or 5 or 30 of you sitting out there with the same kind of keys so my power just went out the window so let me tell you this in jesus day the men of the of the city someone who had the keys was a powerful man He could lock and unlock the door. He could gain entrance where he needed to be. But he would wear those keys proudly because he had the power. And Jesus said Satan had the power and he was using it in a way that was going to destroy. And so what Jesus did was when he walked out, he reached down and he said, give me them keys. And Satan doesn't have the power anymore. Guess who holds the power over hell and death? Jesus does. Jesus does. And as we get into this book of Revelation, you're going to see that Jesus invites us to come to him because he's got the power and he unlocks the door and he now allows entrance into the portals of heaven. Or if you choose and you say, I want to go into hell, he's got the key there too. And it's your choice, it's not his. He is victor. He is king. He is Lord. He is God Almighty. He is the eternal one. He is the one who was dead and is now alive. He is the one who is coming again. He is your savior. He is your Lord. He is great. He is mighty. He is all powerful. He is the great I am. Fear not. Jesus is alive. That's his message to us. Fear not. Let's get busy. Let's go to work. Let's get busy for God. Let's 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 quit putting it off and saying, you know, one of these days I'll get around to it. Folks, there are no round to it. Today's the day of salvation. Dad, mom, young people, today is the day when we need Jesus more than anything. So that we can hear those words. Fear not. Don't be afraid. I am. Can you hear Him today? Fear not. Let's pray together. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, there's someone here that needs to know Jesus as their Savior. It's a big difference in joining a church or being baptized or uh, taking an element or whatever. You see, he, he invites us that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And I want to introduce you to him this morning. If you're in faith, opening your heart, saying, I want to know Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. Dear Father, I know that I'm a lost sinner. I believe Jesus Christ died for me. I believe he rose again. By faith, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me of all of my sin. Save me, Lord Jesus. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. If you prayed that prayer with me, I want to invite you to get up. Nobody's looking. Just step out from where you are. You may have to say, excuse me, but step out right now. Come, come right here. I want to talk to you we'll talk about what jesus wants us to do maybe you want to pray that prayer you didn't do it but you want to get down here right now we'll pray that prayer together you come you need a church home by letter by statement for baptism god let us work all of that out you just need to come and say i'm following the lord and what he wants me to do so you come right now as god is speaking to your heart listen to the message respond to him he's alive come father thank you for this invitation that we have an opportunity to know Jesus, to serve him, to honor him. Father, I pray that you bless now in this congregation with boldness, Father, that we'll step out and say, I'm standing for Jesus today and throughout my life to serve him. It's in your hands now, Father. Thank you for your victory in Jesus' name. As we stand together and as we sing, I invite you to come.